0: In the Husker 24-7 podcast, I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts here on Thursday morning. Gentlemen, we've seen a couple practices. We're a few weeks into fall camp at this point. I think it's time that we uh, we offer somewhat of a progress report. How does that sound?
1: Is it midterms? It's midterms?
0: It could be midterms. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. We're pretty much halfway there. There's, what, two full weeks left to practice with a couple off days in there.
2: Did you guys ever have a progress report uh, that you had to try to hide from anybody, or that uh, you knew was going to be bad news for you at home? Um, I can't imagine Brun's having it bad. I had home.
1: I had some in college where we needed to kind of head to the locker room and come out ready to play in the third quarter. I think would be the best way to put it. Yeah. Um, I, I obviously didn't have to hide those, but definitely. Uh, the coaches were in the locker rooms peeling the paint off the walls with how bad things were going.
2: That's how I felt about college statistics. I, I, th- who knew college statistics uh, classes were more than just like figuring out net punting. You know, it was it was it was pretty difficult. <laughs> I, I was I was also surprised to find that that was not the case.
1: Um, yeah. Getting in there,
0: I'm very glad that there was no progress reports uh, necessary for college because by far. Uh, By the my senior year, my last semester, senioritis had kicked in so bad that I basically had to write a book report in a math class to get the grade necessary to walk like this graduation (laughs) week, uh, of which I think my parents probably know by now, but they certainly didn't. Everybody was coming into town. There was a grad party and coming into that final, like last week of the year of the, the spring semester in 2010. And it was still unclear whether I was going to get this necessary math class passed or not because I took it to pass fail. And so you had to have like at least a C and I did not have anywhere close to a C, but I had a good, uh, a good graduate assistant of a teacher who did not care it that much and just offered me the chance to, to pass with a book report. And so I did it.
2: Oh man, that's nice. That's funny because my senior year, I took astronomy 110, which was one of the easiest classes there is. But I missed a test, and there were only like four tests. I I just like didn't go to class that day. I forgot about it, and so I had to like ace the final to uh, to, get a deep, <laughs> to get a D to get deep and graduate, which I didn't find out a few days until graduate. So we we have similar paths. So this is uh, yeah. That's a warning to kids out there. Don't. <laughs> Do you want to go down to our field do you, you got to be a, a diligent student like we were you have to you have to have the ability to uh
0: to excel with a tight deadline which is That's why we're right where we are today
2: all right well anyway but husker progress reports sorry to get us off course
0: are they doing better than we did in math and statistics brian
2: um yeah, it, I mean, yeah, it sounds like it. That, that, it. It always sounds like it, I guess. It's probably in 2007, it sounded pretty good halfway through fall camp too um, and years like that. But I, I am encouraged by, uh, yeah. I mean, yesterday the running backs, we can start a skill position type guys. I felt like we got a clearer picture of, you know, who the top three are. I mean, they, they trotted them up there in front of us. Sevian Morrison was getting some work with the ones uh, a little bit in the brief period we watched. Um, Gabe Irvin, I was impressed. I don't know if you guys listened to him at all or watched it back. I stand by and asked him a question though. uh, You know, he he looks the part and uh, feels like he can handle the part of you know maybe being the main guy already as an 18-year-old. And then Marquis Step is probably the most encouraging thing of all on an injury front, just because we thought he was maybe going to be very limited to start this camp and it hasn't been the case. He, he looked pretty good to me every time we've seen him. And I, I think he's going to be full go if he keeps progressing at the rate he's at. Yeah. It's steps interesting because
1: obviously the, the, I guess the scouting report on him has always been, you know, when he, when he's been able to be in the games, he's great. Um, you know, but, but the issue was not being able to stay healthy and, I mean, to, to this point and, you know, knocking on the table, he's, he's making it through practice. Well, and, and seems like, he seems like a guy like after kind of listening to him talk uh, yesterday that you, you want to have in that room because he, he he, ha- he carries himself in a very mature way, obviously having been at USC and and kind of been, been through it there, but I think he's, he's going to be that type of back that maybe they hoped that uh, Mills was supposed to be last year. I mean, I, I, don't, I don't know that his skill set is necessarily going to be a divine Zigbo 2018 type thing, but he seems like a guy that if you need him to carry it 15, 20 times between the tackles, he can do that, you know, just looking at him. So I, I've kind of thought all along that he's the guy that they wanted to kind of emerge in that group and then hope that you could get Irvin to continue on the trajectory that he was on. Same thing with, um, you know, hopefully getting Sebion Morrison healthy because he's had any number of issues since he's gotten to Nebraska with health and injuries and whatnot. So I think as long as step continues to be healthy, I think he can kind of buy time for those other guys in that room to continue to come along.
0: Yeah, I am, uh... I, I'm definitely most excited about Marquis step, which maybe goes a little opposite of how people feel about Gabe Irvin. But I, I think that step was brought here for a very specific role, which is to uh, help Nebraska in the goal line, help Nebraska in short yardage situations. I think he can be a pretty strong power back. I mean, they, they really haven't had a guy specifically in that role since maybe Imani cross and, by all indications, Step seems like he could be a better version of that. Uh, and Imani was pretty good for Nebraska in those situations. So they, they utilized him there. I expect Step for similar. And then I, I, I don't know that I am ready yet to believe that Nebraska is going to have one workhorse running back. So guys like Gabe Irvin and, and Seveon Morrison have to be ready. Morrison's situation is really interesting. He basically didn't have a freshman year. I mean, he was hurt, and then he had COVID. And then he was hurt in the spring. And so he's finally healthy and he feels like he's having a good fall camp. He, he, he felt like he had a good scrimmage the other day. He was involved. uh, You know, they, they put out a little video. He was working with the ones at that time. And he also thinks that his skill set differentiates quite a bit from a marquee step. And so I kind of feel like Savion Morrison is trying to position himself in a way that's different than Marquis step so that there's room for both of them in this offense. And I'm sure Nebraska kind of sees that as well, but the the conversation with Morrison was really interesting. This group is, is uh, certainly deep in options, but until we actually see Nebraska get out there and play Illinois and commit to running with running backs, it's just, I'm, I'm still so skeptical what this group could be and, and the actual impact it can have on this offense, because we just haven't seen Scott Frost commit to running the ball for running back other than some games in the last two years and then maybe the last eight games of the Divino Zigbo era. So it, it's for me, it's a lot of like excitement about I like these individual pieces, but skepticism of Nebraska's willingness to use them instead of just continuing to run Adrian around the corner. you think that's fair or do you think I'm just being a stick in the mud about it,
2: BC? No, I think it's fair until they show that, you know, they definitely are trending that way um, because you're right. The data has suggested otherwise. And, you know, I do think with their quarterback situation as it is right now, that would probably push them more to do what people are hoping for and really get that eye back rolling because, you want to run Adrian, but if you could limit somewhere and tear where you can, that would be certainly ideal. Not quite knowing what you have in your young QBs yet. Um, so I but I think you're you're right um, on that. I was I was most uh, interested. Sevian Morrison, I guess I hadn't heard him talk in a while. That guy, Kevin Suits, the local from local media. He, w- he was mentioning he could do voiceovers. That guy's got a he's got a great voice. He could do the like the talking part and voice to men 90s songs. <laughs> very specific uh Robert that was my t- that was my takeaway from that interview yesterday yeah.
0: I, I didn't know if you were going with that he could be like the in a world guy the big movie voice guy
2: he <laughs> could maybe do that but i was as i heard him talk i was thinking about you know a boys to men song where there's like that part two-thirds through it's like baby baby you know, please like come you kinda, back yeah yeah
1: yes forgive me for all the wrongs i've done <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah
2: yeah
0: i think I, I went to a Boys to Men concert when they were playing at the uh, the Cast no, the the Nebraska State Fair in like 2008, maybe, and a big fight broke out before the concert ever <laughs> happened, and like multiple people were arrested and removed off site from the uh, the State Fairgrounds. It was it was maybe more exciting than the actual concert itself, which Boys to Men at that point weren't; they were men. <laughs> They're old men. They're they're definitely struggling with their uh their their activity levels of of how they might have been in the nineties. So did those people? Uh, did those people
1: fighting think they were at like a cheap trick concert? I mean, that's I don't usually
0: know. it. it uh, you know, like I said, it was a little more than a decade ago. I think it was. Uh, it had to do with some baby mama drama between a couple guys who spotted each other at uh, Boys to Men and spilled over to their their entourage a little bit. I mean. It was, it was entertaining. I'm not going to lie. It was, uh, it was definitely worth the free admission.
1: Jeez.
2: I bet. What are you said, in
1: for? I got into a fight at a boys to men
2: concert. <laughs> 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 I'll bring us back to Morris Morrison, the player real quick. No, I absolutely. thought, I, I, well, I thought in the spring game, um, I actually, he, it was only like two or three plays, but he had a handful of plays where he, he kind of burst through. It was to start the third quarter. I remember it very well, and I was thinking, I like his ceiling as much as anybody on that running back roster. It, I, I, can, I considered him the wild card of the bunch, and it was just a matter of can he stack actual practices on top of one another without stops and starts, and if he can, he will be heard from, and that's what's happening. He's stacking practices, so now he's just got to keep doing it, and if he does – uh, he will be, I think, a crucial piece in that running game.
0: Morrison, uh, Morrison's interesting for a couple different reasons. So you're talking about that spring game, and he basically said like he had just gotten back from an injury yeah. going into that, and he felt like he was nowhere close to the level that he should be. And some of that was coming off the injury. Some of that was he developed some really bad habits because he had such a weird first semester at Nebraska, and he basically was staying up all night, he was eating, he wasn't following the diet that the nutrition staff was putting forward with him. So he was putting on some weight that no one was happy with and he just seemed sluggish. Mm-hmm. And so they had to really kind of drill into him and it, it took until the summer. It sounds like, like you need to have a routine. You have to treat this like it's a real thing. We, you know, You're a 19 year old kid with an incredible metabolism. Great. But you still need sleep. You still need to, like, your body still wants to operate on a routine. We still want you to eat during these times of days and not during these other times. And so he really kind of had to change. He had such a weird first year where he wasn't held accountable because he wasn't around. To then all of a sudden it's like Coach Held was basically just like, you need to, to do this or you're not going to be here. And he, he really took to that. And if you look mm. at him, he's put on some good weight. He's 205 pounds. He, I, I think, not even put on weight, but he repurposed into some more muscle mass in his upper body. And he feels like he hasn't dropped any speed or the ability to make cuts. And so he really does feel like he both got stronger and faster this off season by kind of following that model. And the, the name that Ryan Held used for him was Divino Zigbo. He said Divino Zigbo took him a while to find the same thing. And when he did, he really sort of took off from a physical transformation standpoint. Morrison was never as heavy as Ozigbo, but he still had to kind of make that shift in his mental attitude. And I think that's a good sign for Nebraska too.
2: Yeah. That's an interesting part because when a guy's injured, we just think about <clears throat> the healing part of what specifically was injured, but you're away from your team sort of. Yeah. Uh and well, he was in a
3: twenty
0: one day quarantine where he said yeah. all he really could do was sit ups, push ups, watch TV and eat. Yeah. So yeah. I, I don't know, you know. Not everybody has your your level of enthusiasm for sit-ups and push-ups. I mean uh-huh. you do thousands of them each day. I don't know if he was I don't know if he was doing that during his quarantine.
2: Yeah. Um, okay. Move let's go to QBs quick. Um Brons, who's number two? You I think you think you have an answer.
1: Uh, I think it's Logan Smothers. Um, we saw yesterday that during the install period. <laughs> it was Adrian Martinez and Logan Smothers getting all of the reps at quarterback. And we saw or heard, I guess from Mario Verduzco that they do switch those things around. However, I do think that there is some confidence within the program that Logan Smothers throwing mechanics and issues that he's had to work on uh, are moving in the right direction. And I think that that, is why you have him at number two. I think they love Heinrich Harburg. I think that his long-term view of what he could be is the reason why they stayed out of the transfer portal for a quarterback this spring. Mario Verduzco said as much. And so I I think they like the potential of those two guys backing up. I don't think that there's going to be a ton of mystery about who was actually number two. I, I get the sense that Smothers is the guy there, even though towards the end of spring, there was the conversation about, you know, Harburg's got a huge arm, so much athleticism, yeah. which is true. And I thought it was interesting that Mario Verduzco yesterday said that he thinks that Harburg's probably going to play about 30 pounds heavier than he is right now by the time his, you know, he, he's really moving along. So I don't, I don't know that there's a, that that, that is a, uh, that that position battle burning white hot right now. I feel like that's a little bit more settled. Uh, than, than maybe what people think
0: yeah it's interesting because you know in the spring it, it kind of felt like Heinrich Harburg had made a move or, or he had overtaken Logan Smothers it was on the same footing and then when I talked to Mario Verduzco in Columbus uh, during their big red blitz in June he talked about how Logan Smothers sort of struggled to start with because he got tunnel vision he wasn't seeing the field very well they had to work with him a little bit on that and then he really blossomed the last week and a half last two weeks of, of spring ball and Redusco was pretty confident he was going to carry that into the summer and have a good fall and so it sounds like that's been the case and so it does feel like Logan Smothers has reasserted himself as the number two quarterback and and I don't think that should take anything away from Harburg who's still learning quite a bit uh you know at the he was talking about it yesterday at this time last year you know he was I, I think right around this week last year he was preparing for the the Gatorade scrimmage against fellow Carney Catholic teams. And then his first week, his week one game was against Wood River. BC was at that. So, I mean, he's at a vastly different point a year later and he knows it, he acknowledges it. And so he said, he spent a lot of time with Matt Masker. He's still working through some of the hand signals, some things to learn there. Uh, But he's, he's comfortable with how kind of fall camp is gone, but he was, he was sort of quick to point out like, Hey, You know, it's only been a year, and this is a huge jump. And so I I think he kind of recognizes that, too.
2: Yeah, the map is looking like it's supposed to look, really. I mean, you have Smothers, who's a year advanced in the system. Even though last year was a funky year, it still counts for something that he was around. And uh, I think, you know, back in January, we would all said, well, yeah, Smothers will be number two and Harberger will be three. The fact that we had sort of a pause in the spring and thought about it a little bit is kind of a testament to Harburg. i think being encouraging with what he was doing you know and the tools that he has so i think it's a, it, it's a good sign there smothers is a pretty quiet guy he's interesting because he's not like a, you know when you interview him he doesn't say a whole lot and i i know when he first got here that was something he kind of had to break out of his shell a little bit um so he's a different type of uh qb maybe in his the sort of away commands things but um he definitely has worked on his mechanics to a long degree. He talked about that off to the side and he's a great runner. That was one of the big things about him coming out of high school. So if you got in a pinch and you had to have him come into the game, yes, you want him to be able to throw it around, but he's a guy who could get some stuff done with his feet for you. And you could have a, hopefully a decent option running the ball with him. So I, I think they're, they're mostly pleased with how those young guys are coming, but it it does there is still an Adrian Martinez or bus field of this season for me. I don't know how you guys are.
0: Do you do you guys think that both Logan Smothers and Heinrich Harburg will get snaps in the Fordham Buffalo games? I mean, between those two games if each will see some time.
1: I hope so. I mean,
0: especially yeah, the especially that's kind of the problem, right? Like, you, you haven't even had chances to do mop-up work with your backup quarterbacks because you either been in these really close games um, or, you know, if you are getting blown out, you're probably not throwing in. And last year, there was no chance to get Logan Smothers in. Like, Rutgers was the one game, and I think he was suited up for, but they just kept Adrian in the whole time.
1: The uh, I would assume that if things go to plan, you'll see both of those guys in the second half of the Fordham game. Um, Buffalo, I, I don't know that you would see both, but perhaps one. Yeah, I just mean between those two games. Yeah. No, I I, I, I think you could potentially see both against Fordham, I, and I hope you would. Um, I, I think you'll get a little bit of a chance for some mop-up duty there. But – I don't know. It's going to be, they're in a a tough spot. I mean, it's, I think they're in a better situation than 2018 um, quarterback wise, but I mean the, the unknowns of putting guys in there that have never taken a college snap is certainly a, a, it's always going to be a white knuckle roller coaster ride. So hopefully you can get those guys a little bit of work, even if it's just being out there, handing off the ball.
2: What do you guys think are going to be the top six receivers?
1: You ready? You ready yeah. for it? I think Omar Manning, Samori Touré, Oliver Martin, Xavier Betts. I think it'll be Wyatt Lever will be one. I think um, – who am I forgetting?
0: You're forgetting a guy I'd put over Wyatt Lever.
1: <sighs> who am I forgetting?
0: He blocked a punt.
1: Levi Falk? Or a
0: touchdown, yeah. i I put Falk over Lever.
1: I, I don't know that – I think both of those guys will play. I think Will Nixon is probably your seventh. I think Alante Brown is also in that group. But I think that Alante Brown – I mean, Alante Brown was in a green no-contact no jersey yesterday. So I don't know if he factors into that six. But I think, I think they'll have eight by the time they get rolling on things.
0: I agree with, I think, five of the names. I would put probably Nixon over Lever. Um, I think Nixon's going to play. He's got a good attitude. I don't think they'd have him talking to the media if they weren't fairly, um, you know, prepared for the idea that he was going to be out there. Uh, It seems like he's trying to be Samari Toure's understudy a little bit, which is fun because they don't look anything like each other from a physical standpoint, but they both seem like they're going to play in the slot. Uh, and then he also talked about, you know, he could also flip to the outside and, and could play on the edge too. But I, uh, I think Will Nixon's going to be involved. So I would, I would get him in my six. I'd probably remove lever,
2: keep Falk. And then uh, Nixon would be six there for me. Yeah. I, you guys are having the right conversation. I, Cause it's, I think it's, it it's between Nixon and one of the, Former walk ons getting knocked out. But Lever, I know why Brun said lever. It's because, you know, not only did he actually have one of the better pro agility runs. I mean, he he's a actually he's a really impressive athlete with the six four size. But he also um he's a guy who kept he keeps getting brought up. Like when you ask young players, like who are the guys, who are the best guys. He's like brought up every time. And so it's interesting so I don't know if that's how to factor that if that's young guys giving that to lever just because um he knows things inside and out and he you know he's always playing hard or if it's just because he's making plays constantly or whatever so I I don't know how how to register it quite but uh, I think you got the main eight when you named them all off Elante Brown sort of if you want a wild card at receiver, I would cast him in that category if he can get healthy by the time the season starts. Because it felt like in the spring he was about ready to make a move, and then he had that injury, and uh, I and he got last year's season. He got some experience in games last year, so that could help him at all. Help him too. Uh, will Nixon, though, at some point is going to be heard from, and I think they'll use him in the backfield some too,
0: like a duck R
2: perhaps. The old duck. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I think the hunt. duck R is dead. I, I, I don't the Huscar, The Huscar never existed. The, uh, but the duck R as a thing, I don't think really matters either. So.
1: The duck R is dead. Long live the duck R.
0: Yeah, basically. BC said a scary word there in injuries. So that should take us right into tight end. We didn't see either Austin Allen or Travis Vokolek on the field on Wednesday uh, what would your level of concern be for this offense if those guys are unavailable for the first few weeks of the season?
2: If that were the case, I would be very concerned. I'm not ready to say that about Austin Allen and tomorrow, uh, Friday, Scott Frost is talking to the media and maybe he'll give some update. Cause he obviously knows this is a conversation that's out there. Um, Allen. If, if Allen is fine, I would just say at this point, Brunson and I were joking about this the other day up there. It's like, Put him in bubble wrap the next week and a half. You know, like you know what he can do for you. He's one of those guys where I would really watch his load management up until the opener now, um, because Vocalix the grumblings are that that's maybe an injury that lingers for a few weeks, and if that's the case, um, you know, you're it, it's a position that's very good at the top, but after the Fedone injury. You've got a lot of youth that's probably not quite there yet, you wouldn't think. And so that's where I always worried if one of those tight ends goes down for an extended period, you're, you're in a little bit of a jam or you're going to need someone to step up. That someone that comes to mind first is Chris Hickman, who is now back in his home. He's at tight end solely with Sean Beckton, who recruited him. It's a chance for him to try to thrive there. He is experienced and has played in games. So there's something to be said for that. So he's had a good camp. So Hickman's a guy that uh, becomes pretty valuable. And then if you're looking beyond that, you know, Nate Borkkircher was a walk-on who we heard about. He's probably next up, but he was out yesterday. And uh, so James Carney was actually getting reps with the twos uh, yesterday's practice, but that's one practice. Let's see what, what the big news is and if it's something that people really need to sound the sirens about, or if they can work through this pretty smoothly. Here's my concern about that.
1: So the the two that you named off who are going, who would potentially be the guys at that spot are very different tight ends than what you have with Travis vocal, I and Austin Allen. Um, Austin Allen has has grown into a, you know, kind of a a guy that can block well. Vocalek has always been that guy. Um, you get down to Chris Hickman and James Carney, who are guys that are much more of a wide receiver type, tight end, hybrid type guys. Um, Carney especially. I mean, he missed all of the right. offseason up until spring ball coming off of shoulder surgery. So – he's kind of behind it a little bit and that's you know the the from from talking to Austin Allen in in Indianapolis there was a lot of excitement on the part of the coaching staff of what they were potentially able to do with two tight end sets in this offense and the the lack of, of potentially having those veteran guys in there maybe handcuffs you a little bit for what you can call because you just you don't have the the guys that are you know, the veteran type guys in there. I I, I believe that James Carney is going to be a very good tight end at some point. However, uh, you know, that, that's a lot to put on a true freshman that, you know, even though he enrolled early, was still, you know, kind of taking baby steps towards the end of spring practice.
0: Well, he, have- he, had, he had a labrum tear. I mean, he had shoulder yeah. surgery in December of last year. So James Carney didn't even have much of the the normal spring that you would want. I, I think the the concern for me definitely along the lines of what Bronx is talking about, you know, if, if this is supposed to be a double tight end line it up and run at it, people, it's a lot harder to do with Chris Hickman and, and James Carney versus the extra 45 pounds you're getting with Travis Vokolek and Austin Allen. So I, I think that's a, I think that's a real concern. It just, a lot of it's just going to depend on how long, if at all, these guys are out. And so we don't, we don't know those answers right this second. Um, but I'm sure we'll learn them soon enough.
2: Yeah. I mean, injury-wise, for the most part, <clears throat> to this point, it's been a pretty good camp. I always say this, and it's just part of football. There's always, like, one or two in camp that there seems like an injury that pops up that's sort of a giant headline for every team across the country, really. I mean, that's just the football... To this point, they've been pretty good on that front. But, um, you know, Turner Corcoran was – he was in his uniform yesterday, but he wasn't padded up, and he's sort of been limited for a little bit. But it, to, to our untrained eye, um, you know, it didn't look like it was the worst situation. But for those who are wondering, uh, Brant Banks was working at left tackle for some snaps, and that doesn't surprise me because I've always sort of thought Banks was – a um sort of the maybe the first guy up as a swing guy at either guard or tackle and that could maybe that's the case I don't know but we'll see but I I wouldn't I don't know that that's worth a a siren yet either we'll see where that where that progresses but we can talk about the trenches some more uh in the next one if you want next segment
0: all right yeah let's uh let's take a break let's come back we're going to dive into some trench warfare i guess if you will uh i don't know maybe that's overly strong commentary on it now that i say that maybe it is overly strong but we'll dive into the trenches <laughs> <laughs> neither of you reacted, reacted in, like witness protection mode where we can barely see his face
2: he's like you can't say that you can't say that
0: yeah um So we're going to take a break. We'll re-examine whether I said something that was terribly wrong or just somewhat (laughs) off key, And uh, we'll come back and we'll talk about the offensive line and the defensive line. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions
2: apply.
3: The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
0: Welcome back to the Husker 24-7 podcast, which during the break, I offended anyone who likes any baseball movies by saying most of them are bad, uh, Mm -hmm. not limited to, but including, for the love of the game, trash, and uh, the natural, also trash. <laughs>
2: Man, coming out blazing. Eh, well, you know, Moneyball's number one. Moneyball's number one for you. Interesting. Yeah. yeah,
0: I need to rewatch it. A lot of people like it a lot more than I feel like I did, and I don't know if it's. I'm not sure why. I thought it was. You know, I think it's good. It's better than than a lot of baseball
2: movies, but I don't know that I loved it. It's become one of my favorites. I love the like the three or four minute sequence where Brunson's A's go on the on the streak is, like, one of my favorite sports sequences. It, it, like, it captures, like, if your team were on a high and it was just, like, nothing can go wrong, you know? When, when they hit the home run, it's actually against the Twins where they hit the home run where they come back and they show that people in, like, right field or like, you know, without their shirts on yeah. and stuff. I, I'm like, yeah, that's that's when your team is just on fire. It's, it it, it kind of gives me the, uh, the goosies.
0: And I just realized the three of us all have a, a major league baseball movie. You have little big league, which I would argue would be the worst of the three front says money ball. And I have major league. So you could argue that any of the sequels of major league are significantly. Worse. I say, are,
1: are you required to have to claim major league three back to the minors?
0: I don't think so. Cause that's again, the twins.
1: That's true. That's true. Uh,
0: was it downtown Chris Anderson or something? Walter Groggins is this great home run hitter.
1: Sorry, Brian, your team's movies
2: suck. Yeah, get better movies. Yeah, I, I'd i agree with that. Um, I like, is it the, you didn't like it, the rookie, right? Is that the one with Dennis? No, Quinn? the rookie with,
0: with uh, the science teacher, the Disney yeah. one. Yeah, yeah. That one, that's yeah, awesome. I, like, I like that one. Yeah. He yeah. actually looks like he could throw a baseball. That's always a critique of mine with baseball movies. They have these yeah. guys who who are in the movie that don't look like they can throw baseballs. But I'm not big, even talking about pitching.
1: He's a big summer catch guy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even talking pitching. I'm talking like they'll have this guy playing shortstop, and he's like short-arming a ball from there. And it's like, you can't do that.
2: You got to have real. Is summer catch Jimmy Fallon or Freddie Prince?
0: Freddie Prince. Fever pitch is Jimmy Fallon, and it's trash. Okay. All right. Give me foul trash, too, while I'm just declaring <laughs> That guy can't help but laugh at his own joke, ruining the joke before it even gets told. It annoys me greatly. Fair enough. Right. Do, we, do we want to get into the offensive line or defensive line, or should I just keep declaring things are trash?
1: Uh, we, we should talk trenches, I guess. What do you, what do you got? Let's start offense.
0: Not Trash.
1: You think it's good?
0: I think the offensive line has a potential to be good. I don't know that it's going to be good right off the bat, but I think they're going to be good by the end of the year. I like this group. I think Greg Austin's assembled a pretty good offensive line. Um, you know, we'll see. Turner Corcoran hasn't been practicing. We'll see what that means. But Brant Banks, I think, is capable there at left tackle. Uh, you know, the, the big question mark is, do they have somebody that they're comfortable with at right guard? Right now it's Matt Sickerman. Uh, it Looks like it'll be Matt Sickerman to start the year. Um, but I, I think overall they're going to be a pretty good group. I don't know that I expect them to be, like, dominant. Uh, but I, I think that they're going to be more than capable of holding their own. And their pass protection last year was pretty good for the most part. Bryce Benhart had some issues at times. Um, but I I think potential-wise, this offensive line, the arrow's pointing way up for me. Yeah, I go ahead, Browns.
1: Yeah, I I think, it's, uh, I think you're right. I mean, I, I think it has the potential to be a good group. I still kind of need to see it a little bit. I, I, I like that they've got more depth. I like that if something's not working, that they can go to somebody pretty quickly and somebody that they feel good about. Greg Austin told me in, in the summer they've got eight that they're working with right now that could help them in a game, which I think is more than they've had at any point during Scott Frost's time at Nebraska to me, it seems like a guy like Brent Banks is going to be really important because I think he could play guard. I think he could play tackle. I think, I think he could be the, I think right now he's probably the sixth guy, but at a, at the, but a backup at a number of spots. So that's a good thing, to a good, good thing to have. I, I just, you know, when, when we talk about skill position and, you know, how much they're going to have to run Adrian, how much they're going to lean on the running backs, everything else. I think that the lines improvement is going to determine a lot of that other stuff. And I think that they're going to need to be able to assert themselves right out of the gate against a team like Illinois that, you know, kind
2: of took it to them last year. I want to see Juergens become, and this is, this is a high bar, but, I think he's got it in him and he's got to make this push. Now I want to see him become like a second team all conference guy, at least or something like that. I'm serious. I, th- I think he's got that potential. I think he um, he's one of the freaks of college football. I know there's a net, you know, Bruce Feldman puts out a list of freaks and I think Juergens popped up on there and it makes sense to me if you looked at his testing numbers and think about his size and what he's doing for a man who's a playing center. Um, he's got incredible athleticism and uh, get off the snap, but he's got to, obviously we all know the snap thing. That's gotta be a non thing. And he's got to show that right off the bat and it's got to never come up again. And if he can do that, he seems like he's become the command center of that O-line that Greg Austin wanted. He seems like he's the guy who's getting after guys and, and chewing them out. If they're screwing up, according to everything we're heard. So I like what we're hearing about him. Now I'd like to see him just go dominate up front in some games. And I think the guys on either side of him will feed off that too. I think Piper, you know, he needs to take that next step. And Sichterman, I suppose people are going to say is the question mark. And that's fair until, you know, he proves, you know, why he's the starter at right guard. But I think they could feed off Juergens um, on each guard spot if, if he's playing at a high level.
1: It-
2: I, I feel like a lot of this team, I, I'm to the point
1: where it's like, OK, it's we just we need to see it, I think, is where I think I'm at. I think that's where a lot of fans are at. 100%. I, and I don't know that there's a group that I'm more that way with than the offensive line.
0: Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, oh, um, more than Adrian. Yeah. More than the receivers. Yep. More than the running backs.
1: I think that it's the same it, – it's the same group. And I think is that's – it basically
0: just the argument the offense as a whole you just need to see to believe in all the pieces together?
1: Yeah, but, I, I mean, the – it feels like the conversation has been for a long time that – maybe the last couple seasons that the offensive line is the group that's the closest to taking that next step as a group, right? We They've yeah. completely rebuilt the depth. They've got high, high, highly touted guys that they not only got to commit, but that they have thrown in there early in their careers. And it's, you need to start to see the, the development, I think, of that group. Um, and, I mean, Cam Jurgens is an, another, I think, a great example of that, where you start getting some legends in Nebraska football connected to his name. But, you know, when is that going to happen? So Adrian's certainly, you know, in that category
2: too, but I think as a group, I think the offensive line is where I'm at with that. There's always been a boomer bus quality to the O-line. It feels like in recent years where they might have a, there might be a play here, a play there, where like that looked pretty good, but then they will be, they'll have a little momentum going and Then on first and 10, they lose a yard. You know, there's way too many, you know, zero gains or, or minus plays Uh, on early yardage they were not very good sometimes on the early yardage stuff and you know great Husker O-lines that we talk about the pipelines of the past what made the pipelines the pipeline was that from the bat of games there was they had four or five yards four or five yards and you knew it would lead to bigger things later down the line but there was a consistency to the to what you were picking up And that's what you want to start to see more and more of is like, even if you don't score on the first series of a game, you see an O-line like, oh, they're moving some people. At a certain point, the floodgates are going to, you know, break open here. Um, And that's what's sort of been missing. So, I mean, that's what you want to see right away against Illinois. I I, I love to see them come out and run it. And even if they don't go all the way down the field, you see like four yards, four yards, you know, five. And you're like, okay, that's going to turn into something over the course of this game. Quick thing on on the offensive line before we move on,
1: two two guys that I don't I don't know that are going to factor or one guy maybe as a long shot, the other guy not, but two guys that I I've been impressed with physically and and how they've shown up in practice that we've gotten to see, Henry Lutowski and Teddy Prohaska, mm-hmm. like let's get hyped. Yeah, I mean it, it's. You can maybe start finding your seats on the hype train a little bit, um, you know, putting your, putting your luggage up above um, in the rack. Are you raising and, the roof fronts? Yeah. I'm, I'm getting the luggage way up there. And I think that's, that, that's the, the both times we've gotten to see practice, especially Prohaska. I mean, you're like, Holy crap. That, that looks like a, Oh, he looks the way a left tackle should. And uh, so we'll see what that actually leads to, but. I, I, those are two guys that I think warrant mentioning based on just the way that they've shown up on campus and what they've done through the first eight months of their Husker careers.
0: Yeah. They're super interesting. And uh, you know, you talk to the linemen over there and they can't help, but rave about like what they look like physically already at such a young age. So it will be fun to see if they're able to, uh, to, to kind of crack through a pretty Deep group. I mean, there's a lot of interior linemen in specific uh, for for a Henry Lutowski that he's going to have to fight through. But I promise you, he he's going to push as hard as he possibly can. He's going to be a lot of fun. All right, let's jump over to the defensive line here to finish things up. We've spent most of it talking skill position players. We didn't really. Uh, what do you call the guys on defense that aren't on the defensive line, but they're you don't call them skill guys for defense, do you? Like, is a defensive back a skill guy? <clears throat>
2: Um. Yes. Is
0: yeah. a linebacker a skill guy? Depends. <laughs> so I I think <laughs> we're just gonna avoid that whole conversation because we don't know. But um, with that defensive line, I mean, they they have a lot of depth. I mean, it does feel like kind of like the wide receiver group that they could roll out. Would you say? You know, Tuioti talked about six. Would you say that they could probably do three lines? across at at three each I mean I think we could sit here and go through the names but it it feels like they have quite a few guys now if there's drop-offs in there is another thing but it it just this feels like a deep group of defensive linemen and I think if you were going to uh, if you were going to to look at the deep like they could be a strength of this defense that you maybe wouldn't consider I think the secondary gets talked about as a, as a potential strength with those three guys of Deontay and Markel and, and Cam Taylor Britt. But I, I think the defensive line, you know, if they, they're stout against the run, I think they're going to be really tough on teams this year. I really do.
1: When he said six the other day, that surprised me a little bit. Cause I, I think you could, I mean, it, it was basically six plus Nash Huttmacher, Huttmacher, who's like pushing to be the, the yep. third nose tackle. And so, so that would be Stilly, Robinson, um,
0: Rogers, Damien
1: Rogers, Daniel. Damian Daniels, Damian Daniels, Riley, Riley.
0: I assume DeAndre, DeAndre Thomas is part DeAndre. of it. DeAndre, yeah.
1: DeAndre Thomas. That would be your your yeah. six plus hot mocker that, so.
0: that still leaves mocker Marquise Black, Rukwan Buckley, and Mosai Newsom as guys that are you know out there as well.
1: Yeah. I, I could see where
0: Jalen Weaver is not part of the six.
1: No, he's, he's a, he's a large man, but overweight for. Tony yes. So I don't know. And it, it's hard too. Cause I, I think they're going to mix and match a lot. I mean, I, I think some situations you're going to see Ben Stilley and Ty Robinson playing in the middle, you know, on, on third down. And so it, it's, it feels like a group that's kind of arrow up in part because of guys like Damian Daniels, who looks like a completely different person. Um, he killed Snacks. Snacks is dead. Long live Snacks. And Jordan Riley lost 30 pounds. and looks like a completely looks incredible. Looks like a completely different guy. You um, saw
0: the video that was released this morning or maybe it was yesterday.
1: Yeah, he killed somebody.
0: I think it was Marvin Scott.
1: Yeah. So I, I think the that group I think is has is really kind of taken on the I, I guess the sense of urgency that this team has just based on the work they put in in the off season.
2: I I think they've sort of been winning a, a lot lately at practice too. I mean that's the vibe I'm getting. Um, and Travis Fisher the other day was sort of just asked about the defense as a whole. And he's like the D line Like he pointed toward them as, as a group that was killing it and making their life easier on the back end. So, I mean, that is really encouraging. And they're also the group where Eric Chenander talked about maybe substituting more. And he was asked about like using hockey lines, you know, for that as that, as an example, where you, you sub out a whole group. And the D line was the one part where, he seemed to think that was possible where they had the guys to do it now. So, you know, DeAndre Thomas is a guy who I think is one of those important pieces to Nebraska taking the next step because he's not going to be the first guy up, but it's guys like him and Jordan Riley who are going to have to come in and maybe it's only 12 snaps or 15 snaps or whatever, but they're going to have to be good. You know, like they're going to have to make the most out of those. And those guys are really going to matter toward the success of this thing. Um, I think Ty Robinson, you, Brunce, you heard from him. He's a guy who feels like he's, we always talk about Daniels being his conditioning. But Ty Robinson had some work to do by his own admission of getting from a guy who's out there for one or two snaps to, you know, doubling or tripling that before you come off the field. And so uh, I think Casey Rogers is a guy I'm almost most excited about, though, just because he just seems like one of those guys who will not stop where he's at and you know he he's always throughout his athletics career pushed himself to go beyond what people think he can be and I wouldn't bet against that guy and last year was sort of proof of why but I think there's more to him that could be shown.
0: There's an interesting side conversation that we're going to have about this group as we get into November and December but Jordan Riley, Damian Daniels And uh, De'Andre Thomas could all conceivably come back. I mean, you could only lose Ben Stillen. And that's sort of an interesting idea as you go through this year. Like, that depth could still be there next year. It's why Nebraska has only one commit in the 2022 class on that defensive line. It might not take another, um, in part because they don't know exactly what's going to happen with guys like Daniels and Jordan Riley. Uh, and DeAndre Thomas so they're they're deep but and and they could still be deep again next year too uh, which is just sort of interesting to think about
2: yeah that is Daniels in the spring was actually asked about it and I mean this is way ahead of time he, his thoughts could change by December or January uh, but he at that point was like yeah I mean it, his answer was very much like yeah I have two more years here and I love being here sort of thing so that it, he, that is that
0: in, in September, or not September, the the opening fall camp press conference, he was asked about it as well, and he said he really hadn't given it much more thought, mostly because like the season's at hand, and he needs to see how that goes. Yeah. But he also reiterated, like you said, he loves it here, and he, you know, the more time he gets to play here, the better.
1: He's still he's young mm-hmm. for his grade, too, right?
0: Yeah, he is. He is. All right. Uh, any any closing thoughts? Anything we you need to get off your chest? Any commentary? Anything you want to yell at me for my baseball movie commentary? No,
2: no uh, I don't want. want. I don't want to. I don't want to yell at you. Um, you're, you probably made some enemies out there, but I have some. I have some opinions. I I can't. Brums won't allow me to say about wrestlers that would that would make enemies for me. So I I'm, I'm not going to get get into that on air. It's like the, it's like the do not fly list,
1: Brian. You can't, you can't talk about those opinions. Yeah. I'm not going to.
0: <laughs> All right. Well, with that BC leaving everyone hanging on which wrestlers that he does not like, um, you know, maybe there's only one. There's only <laughs> one.
2: <laughs> yeah. Anyway, keep going.
0: All right. We'll be back next week with more Husker 24 seven. We're getting close. You can feel it. The season is upon us. Be sure to check out Husker 24-7. we got plenty of camp coverage, a little recruiting in there, some baseball. Baseball is picking up commits. We might just have to do a, a side baseball uh, podcast this fall for fall ball a little bit, get Brunk some work in there. Uh, and basketball, of course, is, is starting to, to learn who they all are. And I think they'll be starting sometime in September, right? Like they would have actual practices at that point?
1: We are uh, 12 weeks from the start of basketball season already.
0: Yep. It's incredible. Incredible. All right. Well, we'll have all of that more at Husker 24-7. We'll be back, of course, with more podcasts as well.